Welcome to Philosophers on Medicine. Side effects include having your mind blown. I'm Jonathan Fuller. Health and disease are two concepts that dominate our lives. Analyzing these concepts has also dominated much of the discussion in the philosophy of medicine. Is health merely the absence of disease? Is disease a biological concept, a value-laden concept, or both? Why is it important that we dissect these concepts? Should we do away with them altogether? at least when it comes to the hard cases that generate controversy over who counts as healthy or diseased. In this episode, we provide a small primer on this big discussion. Today's consultation is with philosopher Mark Arashevsky, professor of philosophy at the University of Calgary. Professor Arashevsky, what exactly are philosophers doing when they analyze a health or a disease concept? In other words, what is their objective in that analysis? So philosophers have a couple of objectives or a couple of things they're trying to do. One is they're trying to describe the use of health and disease in medical practice, but they're also trying to, I'll use the word legislate, but they want to clarify and make more precise notions of health disease so they can be applied more fruitfully in controversial cases. But this is a bit of a balancing act because on the one hand you have philosophers who are talking about how health ought to be described and they have sort of philosophical principles and other societal reasons why they might want to define health and disease a certain way. But they also want to be in tune with medical practice. They don't want to be out to lunch. They want to be useful and they don't want to sort of come in in a bludgeoned way, sort of legislate what's up. Now, the objective or the reason that philosophers are interested in this is because obviously health and disease is an incredibly important set of concepts, not only for sort of intellectual reasons, you know, what when someone's healthy, what do we consider when someone's disease, but also there's obviously very down-to-earth decisions and policy decisions involving these concepts. So some clarity on the notion of these concepts is important as well. And furthermore, there's people in other areas of work that worry about health and disease that would like some clarity in the concept. So for example, there's ecologists and they worry about what is a healthy ecosystem when they talk about environmental preservation. So there's an analogy with human health as well there, right? Because you want to figure out what's healthy, what to promote, and what's disease, and what to try to diminish or fix. So that's why for philosophers, it's incredibly important. But also they're interested in it. It's a hard concept as well, um, because we have strong intuitions about it. But when we get to sort of problematic cases, our intuitions can go south on that. And we actually need to bring in some sort of conceptual apparatuses more carefully think about those problematic cases. If we succeed and figure out our concept of health, will our concept of disease follow? Will it kind of fall out of that concept? Or vice versa, if we discover our disease concept, will we then have answered the question, what is health? In other words, as it's sometimes claimed, is health merely the absence of disease? Or is the relationship between these concepts perhaps a bit more complicated than that? So if one looks at the major schools in the philosophy of medicine, there is a tendency to think of health and disease as opposites, that disease is the absence of health or health is the absence of disease. So there's a naturalistic approach that actually defines not health, but defines disease and defines health in the absence of disease. There's normativists, which would take our health and disease designations as illustrating value judgments that health is something we are states that we favor, whereas disease are states that we want to avoid or get rid of. Again, they take the health and disease as opposites as well, that there might be some wiggle room on that 
is the hybrid approaches that, again, it's interesting. It defines things in terms of disease or what they say is disorder. And they have two points to it that something is a disease if it's disvalued, the state we don't want people to be in. And they think it's dysfunctional. So evolution caused various organs and systems to function a certain way. And if those systems or organs are not functioning accordingly, then that's dysfunction. And so interestingly for them, you have to have disvalue and you have to have dysfunction, both necessary conditions for what is a disease. Now, I don't remember them being explicit about what is health, but you might sort of think that, oh, what if you have a dysfunction, but it's not a state that you disvalue? Is that going to sort of be in between? You might sort of think that maybe for them, I mean, there's this question, are they opposites? But then there's a slightly different question about whether they're And of course, we have this intuitively, there are sort of different degrees of health, right? So it's not like black and white, there's disease and there's health. It may be on more of a continuum. And the hybrid approach might allow that because it's requiring two different things happening for someone to be diseased, both disvalue and dysfunction. But what if you just have one of those? So maybe you're not healthy and flourishing, but on the other hand, you're not diseased. So this is something that, that philosophers disagree upon about whether health and disease is truly dichotomous or black and white, or whether there might be in-between states. So you mentioned different philosophical schools on this problem that can be divided into naturalist, normativist, and hybrid accounts. So briefly again, what are these three general positions? What motivates each of them? And maybe if you can point out a problem with each of them that the others are attempting to resolve. So Currently in the philosophical literature on medicine, there's three main schools, and uh, I'll go through them and talk a little bit about them. So one is naturalism, and arguably that's the most popular one among philosophers of medicine and medical practitioners that are worried about defining health and disease. And the naturalist approach that we find in the philosophical literature says that we should define what is health or what is disease in terms of normal functioning functioning that contributes to survival and reproduction, thinking of us as homo sapiens and in evolutionary account. So for example, a healthy liver would be one that's statistically performing a function that's above the norm among humans or among some subpopulation of humans. So a diseased liver would be a liver that is performing statistically below what is the norm for humans. Now, the motivation of the naturalist approach is to define what health and disease is in terms of our biology. It looks to scientific theory and scientific research to develop how we should define health and disease. It wants to avoid bringing values and bias into accounts of health and disease. Normativists are quite different. Normativists, they think that uh, the uses of the term health and disease reflect our values that something we designate as a healthy state is something that we want to promote and continue. Whereas something that is a disease state is something that we disvalue and that we want to diminish or get rid of. So their motivation in large part is they think that they they want to reflect how the terms are actually used in language. They think that the naturalist, for example, isn't reflecting how the terms are used in medical language and in everyday language. So for example, you might think of homosexuality as not promoting certain types of biological fitness, reproduction, and um, whereas the normatives want to say, well, no, we don't, we're not defining what health and disease in terms of 
what we are as biological organisms, that it, it's a much more robust concept and has a whole bunch of social norms attached to it. Now, one problem that one might find with the normative account is it's supposed to reflect how we use the words health and disease. But some people would say that, well, it doesn't quite do that. Because, for example, we might think of something we disvalue, like alcoholism. But then it's controversial about whether that's a disease or not. And so given there's that controversy, people want to say that normativists are not achieving their desiderata of defining health and disease in terms of how the terms are actually used. Another account is the hybrid account. And the hybrid account attempts to get the sort of the virtues of naturalism and normativity, but not the vices of those views. So for example, for the hybrid account, it defines what it is to be in a disease state is one, you have an organ or a system that is dysfunctioning. And it has this idea that evolution selected our organs or systems to have certain types of functions. And when we don't have that function, you're dysfunctioning. So they require that, but they also require that it's disvalued. It's a state that's disvalued, something we don't want people to have. So you have to have both dysfunction and disvalue, and then you have a disease state. When you don't have both of those, then it's not a disease state. Now, um, one concern I have with, with the hybrid account, which is sort of similar to a concern I have with the naturalism account, is what they do is they take biological fitness, that we're successful in reproducing and living, to be a naturalistic standard. Now, remember, from the naturalists, what they want to do is they want to have an account that reflects scientific theory. But what the naturalists do and what the hybrid theorists do is they say, aha, fitness is what we value. That's the state that we want people to be in when they're healthy. But the thing is, that's a choice. That in itself is a value choice. That's not just reading off the science. Because if you go to biology, biology doesn't tell us fitness is you know, the state of health. That's something they're reading into it. So for example, you might worry about human flourishing as part of what's important for health. And so the naturalists are making a decision that's not just reading off of science, right? They're actually choosing a certain parameter within science and using that as their marker for health and disease. Another problem with the hybrid approach is because it uses the two criteria, both the value and proper functioning, it too quickly shuts down controversial cases that we might want to discuss. So for example, there might be a case where there's a state someone's in that we disvalue, though there's no evolutionary function for that particular state. But why should we think that the things we want to promote for health should be things that are due to evolution, right? So I think that it shuts down certain cases like that too quickly by getting both the value and getting the naturalist in there. What is your eliminativist alternative to the three main philosophical positions on health and disease. The eliminist view says that we, in controversial cases, we should stop framing those cases and debating about those cases in terms of health and disease. Instead, we should break up two different parts of what's going on in those debates about health and disease. And there's two different parts of these. One is we should label something called state description. So we might describe someone's physiological state, maybe their blood count, or we might describe their psychological state, you know, they're feeling a certain kind of anxiety or, or whatever it may be. But the state description is purely descriptive, whereas there's then normative claims. And normative claims are claims about whether we value or disvalue a state. Is it a state that we want to promote and keep people in, or is it a state that we want to diminish and alleviate in people? 
Now, what I suggest is when we get to controversial cases, instead of arguing about whether a state is a disease, we should talk about whether, you know, describe what the state is in a descriptive way, in the state description, and make the normative claim about it. So, for example, take deafness. So some people would argue that deafness is a disease and that should be, when it can be, alleviated by cochlear implants. But then there are people in the deaf community who say, well, no, it's not a disease. There are certain advantages that they prefer to deafness, such as being part of a deaf community, having more sensitivity to other sensory input, or diminishes deafness diminishes what they consider noise pollution. So what happens is you get these two communities arguing back and forth, is deafness a disease or not a disease? And I think what you can do is you can disambiguate what the controversy is, and you can more clearly pinpoint where there's points of contact and where there's points of disagreement by saying, aha, what's the state, you know, what's in this case the physiological state concerning deafness, and then questioning, well, do we value or disvalue? And so that way they can sort of focus more precisely where the bone of contention is or what the debate is. So the suggestion here is not to eliminate the terms health and disease in sort of lay areas or common public discussions, or for that matter, in public policy, because that's probably a bit of a pipe dream. It's not like you're going to cleanse language of certain words. But what you can do in the controversial cases is avoid the controversial, ambiguous term, and you can more precisely talk about the issues that are involved when we're discussing a particular case. So that's the luminous approach, and that's one reason for it. Another reason is that within the, the philosophy of medicine debate about how you define health and disease, there's these three main positions, the naturalist position and the normativist position and the hybrid position. And it's a debate among these three about which one is the right one. And that doesn't seem really fruitful in discussion of actual particular controversial cases where we're trying to figure out whether there should be intervention or not. And hopefully by introducing this distinction of state description and normative claim and talking directly about that, we can more quickly come to the issues that matter and try to resolve these controversial cases more effectively. To hear more Philosophers on Medicine, visit www.philosophersonmedicine.com or find us on iTunes or Google Play.